Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back from Physio Room for another episode of The Code. Sitting here with my buddy, Sean Cook. Sean is one of my favorite coaches, and he is the owner of Crucible Strength here in the Denver, Colorado area. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, we are sitting here in the gym where you spend most of your time. I spend most of my time. But will you just give the people tuning in to listen to this a little bit of information on your background, how you got into what you're doing, how you wound up here inside of Lion's Den yeah. and, uh, and to Denver? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll make it fairly brief. Uh, I've been a trainer for now almost uh, 20 years. You know, I'm 40 years old, so you can do the math. I got into this, uh, knew what I wanted to do pretty early. You know, from uh, uh, it was just a couple of years. Well, I guess, you know, we're going on a year and or sorry, two and a half years now uh, to where I started my my business, Crucible Strength. And it started it right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, honestly, I uh, found myself here. You know, my good buddy, Tristan, who owns the Lions Den here, has allowed me a, a home here. I, I knew I wanted to keep things you know, pretty low level as far as, as overhead and sure. everything like that. So I this may change in the future, but to be quite honest with you, Andrew, I didn't really want some of the headaches that come along with the other the other pieces of having uh the name up in lights, you know. So you know it's that that's the trade off I made. So I, I have a home here. I run I run Crucible Strength. And uh, you know, one day I might put those those names up in lights. But quite honestly, my business has thrived and I've done great kind of taking the ego out of it and, and being okay. You know, it bothers me sometimes, you know, we all have that ego, you know, it's nice to have your name, your, your name up, but, but honestly, it's been, the Lions Den has been a great uh, home to have and uh, kind of allowing me to just kind of work my craft without having to worry about a lot of the other BS that comes along with, yeah. with the other stuff, you know? Sure. Yeah. And so you sort of like launched that basically two and a half years ago, like you said. Yeah. How long right. have you been here in the Denver, Colorado area? Oh, uh, since 2011. So my wife and I moved here at the end of 2011. So well, wait, 2022. Yeah. So, I mean, we're we're at like 11, coming up on 11 years mm-hmm. being here in the Denver area. So not a native originally from, uh, I was born and raised in Kentucky and then lived in uh, Cincy. So that's where I met my wife. Uh, you know, we lived in Cincinnati. Uh, and trained there for a long time and decided to head out west to the mountains. Super glad we did, too. I love, love Colorado. I'm right there with you. I mean, we've basically been here two and a half years, yeah. and I think it's technically just under two and a half, but we've been pretty stoked to be yeah. out here. Had a little mountain trip this weekend, which yeah. was pretty fun. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so many people that move here, whether it's like us coming from kind of that Midwestern, you yeah. know, Ohio. And where are you originally from? I actually, as much as I work with you, I, yeah. I, I forget sometimes. Yeah, no, it, that's Is right. it Missouri? So I lived in Kansas City before okay. moving here, but, uh, and James is from the Kansas City area, but yeah. I'm from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Originally. Okay. I so, knew it was what it. Speaking of which, Go Pack Go, a huge Packers yeah, fan. And I'm, a, and, I'm a Bengals fan, as you know. From well, and that's what, I, that's what I want to ask you. So today, as we're recording this, is the start of... 
the NFL 2022 season. So uh, what are your thoughts on are the Bengals going to be able to maintain the level of play that they ended the season with last year and get themselves back into a deep playoff run again? Yeah, and I I think, you know, it's so hard. There's so many factors involved in in actually reaching a Super Bowl. They way overachieved, and that's my reasoning, that they're going to still be a really good team. Now you have to have a lot of things go right to, and AFC is loaded this year too. So that's good. It's going to be a tough go. But I still think the Bengals are going to be a killer hard team to deal with. You know, Joe's Burroughs changed that culture. And quite, quite honestly, like they're ahead of schedule. And that's my reason that there won't be a, a regression. It's not like sure. people expect them to be good. They reach the Super Bowl and you have that Super Bowl regression that everyone talks about yeah. is those guys weren't expected to be anywhere. I think they're only still ascending. So, yeah. um, you know, could be wrong, but, uh, that's, that's my take on it. I think, I think they're going to still be a really, uh, you know, they addressed their offensive line, which was their biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, yeah, I think there's still going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, and I think in that division, um, given all the legal drama, contractual drama, whatnot that has gone on in Cleveland, you know, I think it's the Ravens or the Bengals probably I who love, are going to be I duking it out. I love watching the Browns implode on themselves right now. <laughs> I think when you take on a contract like that, you get everything that's coming to you. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I feel like this is kind of like typical of Cleveland, uh, similar to – in the NFC North, I feel like all of the bad luck stuff or the stuff that doesn't turn out always happens to Detroit. Yeah. Uh, the Lions wind up, uh, you know, usually scraping the bottom of the barrel because stuff doesn't go how they right. pictured it might go. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the season to get going. Obviously, we're both big football fans. Yeah. And hopefully we don't experience uh, – I don't believe they play this year, Cincinnati and Green Bay, but – no, I don't um, think they do. I remember watching that game last year where we they just missed field goal they after field, get field goal, goal back and forth. And I think there was like five missed kicks or something yeah. between the two teams. There and were it was between just, Crosby uh, and Evan McPherson. They couldn't yeah. get anything. It was just uh, painful to watch that. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to things getting started. Yeah. But part of the reason I wanted to have you here on the podcast to talk to everybody was, you know, I have had the opportunity working as a physical therapist, being involved in fitness to work with a lot of different coaches, both personally and professionally. Yeah. Um, I've worked in different parts of the country. I lived in different parts of the country. And I would say without a doubt, you are one of, if not the most thoughtful coaches when you're working with clients that I have met. And what I mean by that is every time I talk to you or hear you talk, uh, overhear you talk to a client, there is always a method or a purpose to every single thing that you have them do, which I think is the way that it should be but I don't think that's the way that it actually is in the real world. I think a lot of times in physical therapy clinics or personal training scenarios, a lot of times people just have their clients do things for the sake of filling time or burning calories or whatever, making them breathe hard without there really being a dialed in reason behind it. And I don't ever see that with you. I always see that there's a reason for every little detail. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, you know, that comes with its own headaches too. I, I, you're, you're right. I do think about that probably like too much. It's, it actually, it, I, I have a lot of sleepless nights because, because even after all these years, I've been in this business a long time too. And to, to be, you know, maybe you'll, you tell, actually, I'd like your opinion on this too from the physical therapy standpoint, but I'm not going to mention any names and certainly not here. Uh, the den, you know, one of the reasons back to the previous question, what brought me to the den is, 
you know, we're all, all the coaches are different, but you know, you want to, you know, surround yourself with kind of like-minded people. Sure. And I, I feel like that we've done that here, you know, and, and we, and we obviously may have some, we're not going to agree on a hundred percent everything. We have a lot of different methodologies and stuff like that in our own styles, whatever. Right. But I think overall, there's nothing with most of us. Would you say that that are that's like, man, those are deal breakers. You know what I mean? But I've been at places before where I've watched and good friends of mine too, but training, they would never admit this to you, but I would, I, and I don't mind putting a 90% on it. I'd say 90% of the trainers I've worked with in my life do shoot from the hip every single day of their training life. Yeah. Which is weird because like in no other field would some of these people pay that much money. Like say if you're building a house yeah. in almost no other field, would you allow the professional that you're paying to like shoot from the hip that much? And, yeah. and what I mean by shoot from the hip is obviously like, you're just kind of making up shit as you, as you go along. Yeah. And look at a, like a nice little, a nice little change of pace is good every once in a while from a randomness standpoint. Yeah. I think there's a behavioral psychology to exercise too. Sure. Like, you you know, you have to sometimes get away from, I don't know if you feel this, but sometimes you need to get away from the uh, structure sometimes just mm-hmm. for small brief periods because, you know, just kind of, it's, it's fun, but more often than not, it was, it was quite the, it was, it was quite the opposite and, and not in the way that like say, and not even in the way that they say like CrossFit embraces um, randomness for the sake of like, I'm not even talking about that because that's, you know, with CrossFit, that mentality is, is, um, being able to adapt to a lot of different situations. So sure. in and of itself, the there's a overarching kind of methodology to yeah. that. I'm talking about trainers for most, you know, a large part of most trainers are they're just flippantly going through the motions and yeah. making stuff up without a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I see, you know, I see a lot of times. What do you other- think about your field? I mean, your field, I don't know oh. if uh, like is the same same way. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say in a lot of physical therapy clinics, it is absolutely the same way. And, you know, without going down a huge rabbit hole about the healthcare system and how insurance and whatnot plays into this, I think a big part of the reason why is the environment doesn't support the potential for very thoughtful decision-making. Yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, physical therapists are juggling multiple clients at the same time and they have short windows of time to make decisions about what they want people to do. And when you have a scenario presents itself where maybe you had a plan for someone was going to walk in the door and maybe you have two or three clients that you're going to be seeing at the same time. You have a plan for what client A and B and C are going to do. But then that person walks in the door and how you expected them to be that day is totally different. Like right. They're either in a lot better condition than you were expecting them or a lot worse, your plan kind of has to get modified on the fly. Right. And that's hard to do when you're trying to juggle multiple situations at the same time. Yeah. So, and then, you know, phones are ringing in the clinic, whatnot. So I think a lot of times people end up getting prescribed exercises or treatments or interventions shooting from the hip, like you just said, or therapists, providers end up having clients do things just for the sake of buying themselves some time. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we need to get you warmed up. So why don't you just go ride the recumbent bike here for the next 10 minutes? That'll warm you up. And then we'll get into what we were going to do. In all reality, do they really need to ride that recumbent bike in order to then do some clamshells or some bridges on the table? Probably not. Or do they really need to get warmed up 
to do some balance exercises for their ankle sprain? No, absolutely not. not. It's a lot of times I think it's those things are, I'll use the word prescribed because it's a medical environment, but just for the sake of buying some time. So that's why I feel like I'm fortunate to work in an environment, like you said, where I'm one-on-one with, uh, with people and I'm surrounded by like-minded individuals who all have a very good coaching methodology yeah. and approach. You know, there are a lot of, I, 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 let me interrupt for, yeah, sorry, for a second. And you've always done a good job. Uh, you just did it the other day. And, and honestly, I tell the listeners probably even better because it's, it's one of my deals. It's probably better than I do. And it's something that I admire about you, but you'll, you, uh, and I don't do it on maliciousness, but you're, you're much more open about, you know, you'll have a client out there and you'll, you'll draw me into your process. Oh, sure. Whereas I, I, I need to do that a little bit more. Not that I don't want to, but I'm just so like laser focused sometimes mm-hmm. and I don't want to bother someone. Yeah. So I, I forget to, but you're, you're always very good about what I like about here too. And I'll, you know, I definitely need to start doing that more because we have a lot of different perspectives here that yeah. uh, someone can see a blind spot that you, mm-hmm. that you don't have. And you've always been very good about kind of having a, a client out there that you're working with and kind of getting some of our, our perspectives on it yeah. and whether or not you do it. Like that, that's the thing too, is at the end of the day, whether you do anything with that, sure. you might sometimes and you might not, but just having the openness to, um, to get a different perspective on things, I think is, is unfortunately something even in the training community and, and shit, maybe this is even why I, this is human condition too, is that, you know, sometimes we, I don't know if it's, um, some of our uh, our own ego gets in the way to where we 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 don't want to ask for help because it seems yeah. like not even ask for help but you're asking for a different opinion may seem like weakness yeah which it's of course not it's silly but i think we kind of can sometimes get caught in that where all we're all different trainers we all have our own job and if we're we're allowing someone else in it somehow diminishes what we're doing which is yeah. not quite true the truth at all yeah it's kind of like you you know you Maybe some people worry about like giving off the perception of like they don't have the knowledge or something. Right. Especially in front of the client. Yeah. Especially in front of the client. Because they're having to ask questions. <laughs> First off, appreciate the compliment of, you know, being collaborative. But second, I think some of that comes from, you know, one, I'm a very social person and I like to try and involve the person that I'm working with in the social environment yeah. that is here um, or in any other clinic that I've been in. Like I want people to not feel like they're isolated in the you know, in the environment that they're right. in, I want them to feel like they're part of, even if it's their first day here or second day here, I want them to feel like they belong in the space. But I think sometimes I maybe do that to a fault in terms of like, you know, I also don't want the person I'm working with to feel like we are interrupting their time by having other conversations go on. But I also want them to know that like, hey, although I think I am a very knowledgeable individual, I don't know everything right. and I don't catch everything uh, on the first or second time right. seeing it. And I trust the inputs and opinions of other people who I respect, you know, what they're seeing and what they yeah. think about us in this yeah. scenario too. So, yeah, but it's a very big strength yeah. that you, that you have. Just wanted to let you know that, yeah. and, well, you know, cause we all have different personalities, right? And totally. Mine's never, but I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm learning even after 20 years, man, I'm, I'm like, I, my, my personality tends to want to be in control of things. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of humans do. Yeah. I have that kind of, uh, I have that kind of, I hate using this is such a, such a cop out bullshit word, but like I have that alpha mindset, which even saying that out loud sounds douchebaggish <laughs> when you say it. Like I have that alpha kind of mindset to where I can, if I don't watch it, kind of stay in my own thing. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So no, it's it's refreshing to be around people who are kind of trying to answer the same questions yeah. because at the end of the day too, we're dealing with something that's not like you know it, it's not like we're we're not cabinet makers, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, woodworker woodworking is an art art form, but you know at the end of the day, there's 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 these you know black and white fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Not that there's not with the human body, but you know unlike a, a static piece of wood that you're working yeah. with, the human body. Even with everything that we know, and and I go back to what keeps me up at night. And, um, you know, I appreciate you saying I'm trying to be so thoughtful, but that it is honestly, it's sometimes I feel like it slowed my progress in my career down because I refuse, absolutely refuse to, to do things flippantly. Like I do want to give the best care, but when you're dealing with the human body, there are so many unbelievable factors involved. Yes. And most of them outside my my control. Yes. Right. That's why behavioral psychology has become so important to me. I've been asking the question more these last few years is like, you know, great, all this wisdom and knowledge that we have, whatever. But how do you get someone to consistently apply that? Right. And and I think that's the next evolution of my business. But it's probably slowed down my development a little bit, because, again, back to a lot of trainers, mm-hmm. maybe even physical therapy. I kind of have rushed back against this whole like turnstile mentality where, yes, I can bring a lot of people in and make more money in the short term. Right. But like I've kind of refused to do it to a point because I want to make sure that at the end of the day, we're like we're bringing people along properly. And it's it's because of that obsession. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes that obsession can can bring a fear of. Of, of growing or expanding because yeah. I'm, I kind of want still, and it's this, it's this butting of head against something that I, you know, one day I may have to decide, you know, I'm, I'm butting my head against something that yeah. at the end of the day, after even 80 more, if I did this 80 more years, will I ever truly understand the interactions of the human body and why certain these things happen, you know? So yeah. I'm trying to put together this Rubik's cube sometimes that I feel like I don't know that I'll ever quite be able to put together if that makes any if that if that makes any if that makes any sense it does make sense to me because of like what you just said there are so many things that are outside of any of our control right you know i cannot control directly what's going on in my client's life outside of our room right outside of this treatment room or outside of my hour i spend with them in a week or anything like that of that appointment now I can communicate with them when they're outside of here. I can give them suggestions and thoughts and recommendations, but I can't control how many hours of sleep they get per night, what their home life situation is like, what their kids dynamics and their financial situation. Like there's so many things outside of my control or your control that impact how their body looks and feels and moves and mm-hmm. performs and functions mm-hmm. and all those words and all of that stuff. So I feel like, like you said, when you're working with like, cabinets or something where it's just like okay well you gotta have this shape and you gotta have the the hinges here and the screws there like you know that's how the door is going to open and close the human body is like a big gray zone it's not black it's not white it's all in the middle and i feel like there's a lot of room for variability and i think that's where some of the maybe like the the butting of heads and stuff or the egos and stuff get involved is because there's so many different ways you could go about doing something that a lot of different people may feel like they're right about the way that they do it compared to someone else. But both people might be very successful in the outcomes that they that they get or their clients get. And there's different ways to go about it. But you had mentioned that you kind of like to be 
in control of things. Do you think that is part of the reason behind why, you know, you ended up kind of like going down this entrepreneurial path and having yeah. your own business anyways? Like yeah. when, when did you come across that of like, I think I'm going to start my own coaching business as opposed to, you know, quote unquote, working for someone else. Well, Andrew, A, I did it way too late. So for anyone listening to uh, one of the biggest, and we, we all have our own path and journey, right? Just in case he ever, he ever hears this, you know, I'm, I'm very open person too. Uh, uh, and, and learning to be, but, you know, just in case my dad ever hears this, love my dad, but, you know, uh, and, and I'm not saying anything I haven't discussed with him, but sure. yeah. I didn't, I didn't exactly learn, you know, I didn't get a lot of that discipline model for me. So I've had, you know, I'm a 40 year old man who's still, yeah, I think I've picked up some things sooner than some people have, you know, yeah. unfortunately you have some 60 year olds who, who might as well be 15, right. Sure. And then, yeah. and vice versa. But, uh, you know, I, I can't compare my life to someone else, but I'll, I'll say, I've always been the type of person who, who is wanted to, uh, to answer your question to, to kind of buck the system. Seems like a small thing. So I, you know, uh, you know, for the list, I mean, I know this will be on YouTube, but I have a shaved head, but I'm, I'm a redhead, right? It's small little things in life, right? Redhead stand, <laughs> redhead stand out. So I've always had this kind of like outsider mentality anyway that I think has strengthened me and made me stronger. So yeah. I've always kind of wanted to kind of go my own way, do my own thing. Um, I don't agree a lot with the fitness industry, a lot of things that are that are trending. I, you know, I, I struggle right now too with one of my things uh, is, is scaling my business because, you know, I have some wonderful mentors that I'm working with right now. And, you know, and this seems crazy, right? But, but cause they're, they're right too. I know intellectually they're right, but there's this piece inside me where I'm being encouraged to, you know, uh, charge more, charge, charge more up the price. And, and that is smart to a certain point because you, you do want to get what you're worth. But I've always had this thing in the back of my mind where I, I want this to be accessible to people too. So I have this juxtaposition to where I obviously am a family man, have, have two wonderful daughters, a wife. And, you know, and I do, I do well for myself and I, I like everyone else, I'm will do better. I'm wanting to do better. So I'm not an idiot. I want to make as much money as possible, but also too, I want, you know, I, uh, and you can't be for everyone. That's the thing you're like, you know, if yeah. you're, if you're, you know, you'll be for no one. If you're for everyone, you have yeah. to, you have to be willing to, to, to burn some bridges and you have to be willing to make some people angry. But I, I do kind of butt my head against making this whole like training thing because you mentioned the insurance thing, right? You know, our, our basic ability to, to take care of ourselves should be this, this fundamental, um, thing that's woven into our, our lives. It's mm -hmm. not something that someone should have to super yeah. worry about paying for because of this is such a wonderful, our body is such a wonderful resource, right? And yeah, you should have to pay for quality. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you know, so that, that's an example of like, I've always kind of been the contrarian in, in mm -hmm. a sense to where I'm always questioning, eh, you know, this is how everyone else does it. But yeah. I've always kind of went yeah. a different way yeah. and and i've always kind of went a conflicting path sometimes not to be an ass but to yeah. you know i that's kind of my my personality a little bit you know so far it's it's served me well in some ways and not not in others but yeah, yeah that's why i wanted to be and i i wanted control may not be the wrong word but i felt there's i wanted to become uh, this business owner because 
I felt there's something unique to me that I could offer yeah. um, that wasn't going to be to manifest if I was having someone else write the script for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think, I think a lot of people either in your position or, or the position I'm in who have a service-based business that, you know, their whole mission and vision or whatever you want to call it is they want the quality to be greater than the quantity. Like yeah. you don't want to scale just by getting more and more people in, churning and burning the system yeah. to make more money in the short term. Like you said, you want it to be high quality. But one thing that we've, you know, been faced with as a challenge at Physio Room, since I've known you, we've gone through some increases in our rates and our yeah. pricing structure. But that's all because as we have grown and we've added valuable assets to our team in terms of people, we've grown in terms of space and yeah. equipment. We've added more expenses, right? Yeah. Whether you're talking about the labor expense, whether you're talking about equipment, the yeah. rent expense. And in order to keep the quality of our service really, really high, we've had to raise the prices yeah. to cover some of those expenses. Yeah. But I get what you're saying totally that as you do that, there does come a a tipping point yeah. where you may potentially price some people out yeah. that you really enjoy working with or that you have a relationship or whatever. One of the ways that I know we've tried to kind of uh, battle that is keeping some of our folks that have been like longtime clients of ours who have been with us through some of these growth phases is keep them kind of grandfathered in, if you will. And yeah. I don't know why it's always grandfathered, maybe grandmothered in <laughs> at, um, you know, at the price point that they are paying when we raise the rates and like, as long as you continue to come here, we'll be loyal to you. Like you've right. been loyal to us um, and then raise it for new people. But that's a, I think that's a challenge and that's yeah. a real, real thing. And prices are going up with inflation well, and, and, and all this stuff. And that doesn't mean I don't raise my price. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's totally. always, it's always this conflict of, of I get. that. But, uh, but no, I've always wanted to, to kind of, uh, you know, I guess this, this came from that, your original question. Yeah. I've always kind of wanted to, to, to do my own thing, but yeah. But you need people too. You need you need good. You you can't be an island, you know. Too that's that's one of the big things is you you need yeah. good people, good mentors around you. I think that's been my biggest thing is I've I've surrounded myself with uh, with mentors and people, CEOs and people who run companies that I, I I make sure that routinely I'm being told things I probably don't want to hear. Yeah, that's uh, been that's been one of the best things for me is I I. I do not uh, in my life, you can ask my wife that I do not want to be surrounded by people who tell me things I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Cause if you know, it's that idea of like, if you're always the smartest one in the room, yeah. right. Well, you're probably moving backwards yeah. and not moving forwards. Yeah. And if, if no one ever disagrees with you, you don't grow, like yeah. get outside your comfort zone and stuff yeah. like that. So before you decided to start your own business, yeah. go into, I'm going to go into coaching, training, run my own business. What were you doing before that? Because you said you got into this kind of late in the game. Well, you mean the business? Well, I was still training. I've been right. again. I've been training for twenty years. So prior to that, I was at a um, a club here in uh, Colorado uh, called uh, Club Greenwood, which is not. I mean, in walking distance from where we're currently at right now. Yeah. So I was there for a while, long. You know, I was there for shoot probably. So eight, your, nine years, yeah. eight, nine years. And then prior to that, I was at another club in Cincinnati for about seven years. So I, I ran that, the kind of uh, club scene. Now the, the, the clubs that I was at, it was unique as I, I was fortunate because I found kind of two unicorns in that they were the best of both worlds, kind of a hybrid because 
it wasn't like a 24 hour sort of situation. Like I, I, in both scenarios, I still basically ran my own schedule. Uh, but you're still under the umbrella of, you know, that, of that business and everything like that. You know what I mean? But you know, the pros and cons to that, because you have a, you have a source of, clientele and stuff like that so uh, and that's the biggest step away is when you step away from that obviously you know there's this there's this um mentality with a lot of people that all those clients are going to follow you and that's that's a bad business plan it's like you want to start out thinking zero people are going to follow if, if people happen to follow you great great I see but that that's a, but when you leave someplace you that's you have to have, you have to have a plan that zero people are going to follow you. So and start. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to how are you going to build that up from there? Yeah, uh, that's a big mistake I've seen people the trainers make is they'll they'll leave somewhere they have a good training business and they make this false assumption that just everyone's going to follow you. Uh, and there's many reasons why that doesn't happen. Yeah. And not all of them are because they don't like you. It's just human beings are funny and they don't like change. And even the smallest change of location or it interrupts their driving pattern. Weird things will keep a person from from following you. And a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with whether they like you or not. Yeah. Yeah. They may they may think you're wonderful and maybe still even refer you people. But yeah, if it's if like we sort of said, dealing with humans is this huge gray area. Nothing's black and white. So it's not just like an automatic. Yes, I'm going to pull all of these individuals over with me and they're just going to follow me yeah. down the street somewhere else. All right. Well, like, you know, cause we were talking about this a little bit off air, like all the people listening to this know, you know, we like to keep these conversations on the code pretty like free flowing, not feel super scripted yeah. because life's life's not always going to run on a script. You said that this is the theme we've been talking about lately. You like to be kind of like in control of situations. Yes. But to my detriment, sometimes, yeah, well, yes, yeah, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I like to be in control of things too. <laughs> but what I would love to ask you is I know you have two girls, I do, of different ages, right? Yep. They're not like right next to each other in age, eight and um, one and a half. Yeah, say that again, eight and one and a half, one and a half. Yeah, so what I would love to know is, you know, as you've been having this entrepreneurial journey, kind of running your own business, how have you seen how you have to run your business change as your personal life? has changed because I know that's one thing that I think stresses a lot of people out who are entrepreneurs start a business is there seems to be this like you're burning the candle at both ends Mm -hmm. and it's like you have to push and pull or this tug of war between your family life your business life your health and fitness and it's hard to balance all of that you know it's funny you ask that because I feel like I'm in in the middle of that storm kind of right now as as we speak you know, I'm a, and I am maybe we touched, I didn't uh, know if we touched on this or, you know, I'm a power lifter as, as well. And yeah, I, we have. I, I uh, like and and the reason I'm bringing that up is that, you know, there's me always, you know, I'm 40 years old and I'm, I, you know, there's this piece of me that's wanting to be in the best shape I've ever been in my life. But sometimes I let that, there's, you know, seasons I let that fall to the wayside because mm-hmm. I'm focused on, you know, the family and the girls and, and, or the business. Right. And so what's interesting, it's, uh, you know, there is a, there's a wonderful book uh, by Gary Keller called the one thing good book and uh, like Keller, Keller Williams, the, uh, the real estate organization, but Gary wrote a great book called the one thing. And he discusses this. And I think it's a great thing that everyone needs to hear. And I totally agree is the whole concept that uh, a big myth is this, this balanced life. It, it's a myth. You can't, uh, it's that same concept. If everything truly is in balance, you're just, you're not extraordinary anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. You can't be right. So life is more of like, like a counterbalance. And he, he describes it in the book of like some things. It's like juggling, right? Yeah. You start to understand that some of the balls are rubber and some of them are glass. Family things that are like your personal health. And I've, I've had to learn this the hard way because again, my, my mind, I'm kind of an analyzer. I can get in my own head a lot. Yeah. And so I've even let myself as much as I love working out. And I'm saying this for everyone to hear, just being completely vulnerable. And I think a lot of trainers or other people would say this too. Like I, I've taken my eye off that ball sometimes too long, even though I know I shouldn't. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's the classic, like the gardener who has a horrible. Yeah. Yard or, or has a horrible, like it's that classic thing. And I don't know why we do it as human beings. Yeah. But it's, I'm, I'm in the middle of that storm right now where I feel like I've taken my eye off of some of that stuff. But he talks about some of these glass, the glass balls are your, your, you, uh, yeah. your personal health, your family. And you can't let those balls drop. You can't get away from some of those things, your relationship too long. Now you can, you can ebb back and forth a little bit, but you can never stray far too far away where you let it die yeah right because once it die, once those important things die they're very hard to to resurrect not impossible but very hard to resurrect whereas some work things as much as we don't want to admit it most work most work things are rubber balls meaning that if you let it drop it'll bounce back right, right? so I've, I'm really trying to learn that myself right now. And honestly, like I said, right in the middle of it, of trying to understand the counterbalancing, not balance life, but wh- how long to stay away from things. Yeah. How long to stay over here? And then when do I come back? I think that's like the secret that I'm trying to figure out right now is, yeah. is not trying to have a balanced life, but I, I'm trying to prioritize what are the most important things and how long do I f- have discipline to focus on it? And then knowing when to come back to the things to not let something die. Does that, does that make sense? It makes great sense um, to me. And yeah. And I, I know, you know, I admittedly don't have that figured out right now. It's a, and I'm so happy you're asking that question because like, I feel like I'm legit in that ocean right now. Yeah. Trying to like figure that out because I'm feeling that itch two and a half years in of like, what's my next thing. Yeah. I've been doing this 20 years. I'm tired of, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of like, coming in every day. I love my clients, but I, I need, I need a new, yeah. I need a new scale. I need a new yeah. scale where I don't have to be. Cause I, I want to do some other things. Right. Yeah. And I still want to make a huge impact, but not be, have to be face to face quite as much. Yeah. And that sounds awesome, but it takes a lot of upfront work. Yeah. And this whole thing about passive income, it's, it's nothing's passive, right? Passive income only comes after a tremendous amount of what they call passive income, you yeah. know, where you're setting up systems and stuff like that. Yep. Nothing's passive. I think a lot of people have this idea that like, that's, it sounds wonderful because it sounds like you don't have to do anything and you're making all this money. It's, it's, it's not, there's a mountain, a mountain of stuff that you have to do to, yeah. or in order to do that. And, and a, a lot of people, aren't willing to do that. And I'm, and I, you know, I'm trying to climb that mountain right now. Like, Oh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I you think, know? I think anybody who is very successful, you know, maybe I'll put successful in air quotes cause it's all relative, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. what someone thinks is successful is different than what someone else does. Yeah. But yeah, true. anyone who is, um, you know, at that point where they have built something to the point where they have a passive or residual income stream would right. tell you exactly the same thing yeah. that you just said this took a lot of damn work to get to this place. It wasn't like I just woke up one day and 
created a login on some website and all of a sudden I was generating passive income stream. That's not, yeah. not the way that it works. And um, yeah, I think anybody would tell you the same thing. I think the book that you mentioned is great. And if I uh, don't forget to, I'll include that in the show notes for the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that if you haven't read that, the one thing book, you definitely should. I agree with you totally on the idea that it is a bit of a myth to have this like, I hate the phrase work-life balance. Yeah. It pisses me off because what that means to me is that like, you can just kind of turn the switch on and off on these things. And I kind of look at it as, well, yeah, yeah. I want to be balanced in the sense of I want to put an importance on relationships outside of work and on family and on my professional life and on my fitness. But it's not like, you know, I just forget about the other ones when I'm focusing on the one that you're always trying to juggle all of these things. And I think if you can, of course, you know, some people probably are more enjoy their, whatever their career or their place of employment is. Some people probably enjoy that more than others. Others view it as like a, Hey, I just got to check this box to get my paycheck. But if you're living out something that is like your passion and your purpose, putting a ton of focus on that and being really involved in it doesn't mean that you're not ba- that you don't have balance, right? If right. you really enjoy what you're doing and you can structure your life around things that you are really passionate about, yeah. then like you can kind of pull that all in. And I know a lot of people who are in entrepreneurial situations try to do that. Like their family and their business are very like all wrapped up in the same thing. Right. And, you know, maybe they bring their child to work or maybe it's an office or a facility where they bring their dog with them. And their dog is like part of their staff. Right. Like they're always there and always around. Um, yeah, we've had some dogs in here from time to time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, dogs inside of a lion's den. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I agree. I think it's a myth that you can just be like in this sense of balance where. You don't have to pay attention yeah. to, to everything. Yeah. And, you know, Andrew, to answer your original question is that that's part of the that's part of uh, I don't, that's part of the things I've struggled with is probably in this last year. I actually have taken more time at home to, you know, because I used to have a year and a half, a one and a half year old. Yeah. And we're done with kids unless there's a. A surprise like Adrian and I are, are like we're you know we're, we're done so you know I realize this is my this is my last opportunity to be a part of that process and mm-hmm. be there and so I you know I've I've felt internally as a as a as a as a man a little bit of guilt about that and it's it probably has kicked my business in the ass a little bit and that's part of the why I said I'm in the middle of this ocean right now trying to figure out okay you know I may have uh, the the family was important and I may have left some things. I may have taken some things off the burner a little too long, but I, I am a huge believer. And in, in again, in this counterbalancing, not balanced, but I'm still trying to figure out where, where to be. But I, you know, I wouldn't try like the thing is there's, there's some angst that it's probably caused me from a professional standpoint in this last year and a half. But there's been like this great joy of just being around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I've taken advantage of, and I've I've loved it. And I I don't think like if something were to happen to me t- tomorrow, I was like you know I I didn't have much left. I I don't think like on my deathbed, I'm I know for a fact what I would be remembering. Yeah, and it's not as much as I love my job, as much as I love what I do. It's it's not these struggles in in the workplace, I'd, I'd be remembering those moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that goes back to your original question of how I've dealt with like 
the, the family side of things. I honestly lately have been taking more time with, with, with family. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's been, it's been awesome. And I'm still trying to figure out the right, and I don't even want to say balance anymore because we're, we're saying, but I'm trying to figure out that right amount of, of, of time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. I like that. It's like your perspective seems really good to mm-hmm. me being someone who doesn't have kids right now, but, uh, but the plan is to, yeah. and um, well, to have kids and potentially two yeah. of them, yeah. but well, kind of like you, but yeah, I mean, I think, so let's go down before we talk about powerlifting, let's go down that path a little bit of what you said of, you feel like you've maybe taken your foot off the gas just a little bit on too the fit, yeah. fitness side and yep. business side yep. too much where, you know, maybe your fitness level isn't quite where you want it to be, or yep. maybe your business isn't quite where it want, yep. you want it to be. And I want to talk more about the fitness yep. side of things, because I think that happens a lot in whether we're talking about healthcare and we're talking about physicians or nurses or physical therapists, personal trainers, whatever that might be, where the person, you know, the physical therapist or the personal trainer, you have some who aesthetically are in very good shape. They're very fit individuals. You have some who are not, and they don't lead what they, you know, they don't practice what they preach. Let's put it that way. But I know I've been guilty of this where I know a lot of my clients and clients that I've worked with in the past are much better about doing the things that I ask them to do to help with whatever they're dealing with than I am about dealing with my own stuff. Yep. So I don't always make the best client. And what I've always kind of thought is, well, it's because it's what I do all day and it's not what I want to do when I go home type right. of thing. Like, okay, I helped everyone else try to address their problems and try to provide solutions to help them and guide them. I want someone else to be the one that guides me, right? right. Like I right. need help from someone else. And then I'm more likely to do it. Like if I schedule myself for an appointment with another professional, another coworker of ours, uh, I'm more likely to do what to they do say it. than what I know I probably should have already been doing. Yeah. So that's so true. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess what my question is for you is maybe one, why do you think that happens? Like, why do you think we have physicians who are trying to preach healthy lifestyles to cl- patients? but they are so out of shape themselves. Or why do we have nurses who know that smoking cigarettes is bad for you, but they work in a super stressful environment and they still smoke cigarettes themselves. Like why do we have this kind of like conundrum of someone who works in a health type of role, maybe not leading the lifestyle that they're trying to impart on other people? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things is probably like number one, it's so it's so much easier to see someone else's problems than it is your own. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're, that's number one, is that, and I think we've all noticed that it's, you have a friend who has a, you know, you have that, you have that friend who has an issue and it's, you know, when they tell you that issue, it's so easy for you to diagnose that issue. And so easy for you to go home and talk to to the wife or the girlfriend or whatever about, can you believe so-and-so like it isn't it obvious why they're having problems right i think we just tend to do that right um it's so much easier to see see their their issues and so much harder to see ourselves yeah so much harder to see ourselves so the other issue might be that when you're in the fitness industry and your your day is surrounded by telling people what to do that maybe subconsciously and I don't know how to word this. Maybe subconsciously, they themselves may feel like it's 
too much to live up to. And then mm-hmm. they, for lack of a better word, kind of sabotage the, the whole yeah. thing because of this, this, you know, not to get too, too psycho babble, but there is some truth to it. You, you tend to, I'm a big believer. You tend to act out what you truly believe about yourself, not what you tell others, not what you yeah. say, because anyone can say good stuff. Like you can, you can get on, on podcasts or on video or you talk to someone, you can, it's very easy to say things that you know, other people want to want to hear, yep. but you tend to in your, when no one else is around, you tend to act out what you truly believe about yourself. Yeah. It's, it's whatever your standard is. That's what you'll, you'll live up to. Yeah. If you have a low standard, that's what you'll live up mm-hmm. to. So we do a lot of things that are, that's, that's why I think it's weird I've been like thinking about this a lot lately too. It's weird to make a bigger comment on just society now too. We live in this weird time to where like we do things based on feeling and that's a really horrible way to to live life because most of the time we actually do a lot of things that are, that we feel like doing that are not in our best interest. And the reason we do it is, is, is again, we're always trying to, we're always trying to reach for some pleasure and avoid some pain. But yeah. a lot of what we believe in our prime, I, I don't know if you've seen studies on this and on kind of how easy it is for human beings to be primed by their environment subconsciously. But when you deep down believe something, not what you tell someone, but when you deep down believe you're not worth it or whatever, or yeah. that something's scary yeah. or fearful, like uh, your, 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 your body, you feel that on the inside. Oh, yeah. I think, I think we're primed by our environment a lot or how we, how we grew up and a lot of things um, that even if we believe something's in our best interest, we don't always act on it because there's, we haven't dealt with the tr- the truth. We are yeah. still believing some, what, whatever you call it, a limiting belief or this lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think we're almost starting to go down the path of like, you know, what is your self-talk, yeah. right? Like, yeah. is it positive self-talk? Is it negative self-talk? What do you, what do you say in your mind when no one else is around yeah. type of thing? And you're yeah. not talking out loud yeah. to somebody. And, you know, we've had a psychotherapist on this podcast in the yeah. past. You know, we refer a lot of people to Lauren. So if you haven't heard it, go check out the podcast about secure base uh, mental health. So I think the title is uh, finding your secure base. Secure based mental health. I've been listening to that one yet. I bet that one would be good. Yeah, it's I awesome. That's, I bet that's interesting. It's awesome. I've probably said this to multiple people, but that was one of my favorite conversations to have. Part of that is because I've gotten to know her a bit from seeing her in the, in the office yeah. as a client and whatnot. We've spent a lot of time together before we actually recorded that podcast, kind of similar with you, where we've talked a lot. As I heard you say that, I was kind of thinking about the studies, like you mentioned. There definitely are studies that talk about how multiple things. One, what we think impacts how we feel, but also even there's studies that talk about how our body position in our presence. Yeah. I think that's the name of the book presence. Uh, I want to say Cuddy is the last name of the author, but it's about how like the body position that you hold yourself in yeah. impacts your physiology yeah. in your mindset as well. So there's a ton of data on some of that stuff. But yeah, it's so hard to see within yeah. yourself. And I think I'm thinking back to some like, you know, college track workouts, right? And, you know, maybe what was my mindset about like what I was actually capable of yeah. compared to maybe what other people thought of me. And I remember I'm for whatever reason, I'm remembering a workout that we did in college where you know, it was like a mid distance workout. I ran four and eight hundreds and there was this other uh, other athlete in our conference who it just, it just always seemed like 
I couldn't beat him, right? I could not beat this guy. You know, whether it was a 400, whether it was an 800, and he was like, maybe get, had the appearance of like this computer nerd type of thing, but he was just a hell of a runner on the track. He had this amazing kick at the end of his races. And it's like, man, I just couldn't beat this guy. And I was doing this workout. And I remember, I think it was one where I probably let what was in my head uh, telling me about how tired my legs were or how fatigued I was stop me from getting the quality out of that workout that my coach was trying to push me into doing. Right. And it was all mental, right? It was like, it was all me telling myself, no, I can't push through this. I'm too tired. I can't do this. And I ended up, you know, I ended up, I think, letting some of that get to me where then I ended up probably only finishing like three quarters of that workout. And then I was like, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just not feeling my body and my performance isn't feeling like I can't, I can't do this when really I probably could have. And I think it was a lot of like what I was telling myself in my head that prevented my body from yeah. doing what I was trying to do. Yeah. And you said, you know, you said what you think, these studies show that, you know, what you think or what you focus on uh, manifests into emotions or what you feel. Yes. Right. And emotions, emotions are, emotions shouldn't be taken for granted. They should be counselors, but not something that you're, that not something that you're imprisoned by necessarily. Right. And, but if that's true, right, which I think it is, do you, you believe that too, right? It, it, yeah. What you think, but the truth is, what what makes that so dangerous is that a lot of times what we think is wrong, though. A, yeah. lot, of, a lot of what we yes. think is not it's like right. An irrational thought, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and so that's why I'm saying it's a bad practice, and I'm telling myself this too. It's a bad practice to always go by what you feel. Yeah. I'm not saying ignore feelings, but it's a horrible practice to be like my. My modus operandi, you know, is my MO is to live life and I'm just going to do what I feel. And I'm not talking about the kind of gut instinct that people, because yeah. I think there's right. intuition that we have sometimes too, that we, we should act on more. There's this yep. like higher intuition that I think a lot of people have that you, I like, I think most people will hopefully understand that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yep. about just these, these base kind of like, ah, I just don't feel like, to, like you very rarely are probably going to feel like working out. Yeah. Uh, you're probably actually most of the good things in life. You're probably going the things that sorry end up having good, great long long lasting results, not short term results, yeah. but long lasting results. Most of you those things do. yeah. you don't feel ever feel like doing. Nope. So I, I think that a lot of our thoughts. That's the thing that we have to uncover is like because I think a lot of our thoughts are primed the wrong way. They're yeah. they're, they're lying to us. Once you can crack that. I think you unlock a lot of potential and yeah. what you can do in your belief system because you, you do start fundamentally, uh, you start fundamentally changing that deep core belief and not mm-hmm. what you tell other people. Yeah. What you tell other, like, that's a dime a dozen. You can tell people anything. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. Well, if you what have- do you believe and do? What's going on, code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit 
drinkelement.com slash physio room. That's drinklmnt.com slash physio room to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. We talked earlier on this show about, uh, you know, the NFL season starting and yeah. stuff. Well, you know, you can tell people anything. What do some of these coaches walk up to the microphone during press conferences and yeah. say? That's not what they actually feel or yeah. actually believe. They yeah. say stuff yeah. to, uh, you know, solve the question yeah. that was presented to them or get someone to write something down on their news article. Uh, yeah. But they're just, it's just words, right? Um, at the end of the day. Well, I think, you know, I think this uh, conversation that we just had made me, makes me want to be uh, quicker. I don't know about quicker is the right word, but makes me feel even stronger that I want to get somebody on the show who like, that's really what we talk about for the episode is like this idea of self-talk sports psychology. Yeah, one yeah, of my yeah. favorite yep. classes elective that I took when I was in school. And um, yeah, we're going to have a deeper conversation about that. But before we even consider wrapping things up, I want to go a little bit down the powerlifting route yeah. um, because you participated, participated in powerlifting. Yep. You just did a competition not that long ago. Yep. But for people listening to this that maybe maybe they have an idea about what powerlifting is, but maybe they don't really know because they haven't done it. Um, so from like a basic standpoint, first off, what is powerlifting yeah. compared to other types of training yeah. and Olympic lifting and CrossFit and all stuff? Sure. What is powerlifting? And then when did you get into it and how has involvement in powerlifting kind of like shaped some of some of what you've done the past yeah. several years? Yeah, uh, no problem. So powerlifting is probably a misnomer of a name anyway because it's uh, – you know, Olympic lifting. You know, so let me back up to clarify. Olymp- yeah, <laughs> Olympic Olympic lifting is obviously like the 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 uh, the uh, clean and jerk and the uh, snatch, right? Those are the the two base competitive movements of uh, Olympic lifting. So yeah. that's what you'll see during the Olympics. Uh, powerlifting is not in the Olympics; it's in the World Games, and it consists of three lifts. Uh, the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And they those two words get obvious. Uh, some a lot of times mixed together uh people will call yes. olympic lifting power lifting they are different things but whatever it's semant it's it's semantics most people they you know they're not in it enough to so it doesn't it bothers me a little but they, they don't they don't mean any they don't mean any harm by it but they're they're two very different sports you know so you you compete you get three attempts at a max lift in the squat you get three attempts at a max lift in the and the uh, bench and then three attempts in the deadlift and you can only go up and wait. You can never go down. So how you change, how you, sorry, uh, pick your attempts is, is, is very important. Cause if you miss, you, you may have attempts left, but you can't go down. Yeah. Right. So you have to pick those strategically. And then your best lifts of each one of those are tallied together for what's called your total. Uh, the reason I said it's a misnomer is powerlifting. What matters at the end of the day, provided you follow the rules is that you get the weight up, even if it was slow. As, as molasses, right? And power tends, you know, power is force times distance over time. Power, power itself has a very definite time element to it of how fast. So it's, it probably should be labeled something. I mean, Olympic lifting, honestly, is more power lifting than, than, than that. But, uh, it's more of a demonstration of of pure strength. Yeah. That's what power, it's pure, just. No matter how long it took you to get it, could you move away from point A to point B yeah. within the rules? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got into that in 2016. So I was a late adopter of that when I was 34. Yeah. And, uh, you know, play, you know, I did the Colorado State Championships last year, was fourth in the state. 
as the oldest competitor. I was 39 at that point. Yeah, I plan on keeping keep competing the rest of my life. Uh, okay. I compete in what's called the open, uh, or sorry, the raw category, which we don't use any extra gear like multiply type things. Not that that's bad because that gets that gets uh, that gets a big. You know, that gets a big conversation going to, uh, there are apples and oranges. There's something called geared powerlifting. Well, you'll use bench shirts and yeah. these, uh, these other types of gear that, um, that's still, it's, it, yeah. it's a performance aid, but you still have to really know how to use it. You have to actually still be pretty damn strong to yeah. do it. People don't understand it, but raw, we don't use any of that stuff. And I, I'm not going to start comparing which one's better or not. Cause that's a useless argument. They're, yeah. they're just two different sports and you, you might like one. You might like one flavor or the other. I mean, I kind of, I kind of analogize that to, you know, in the bodybuilding fitness competitor world, there's categories that are raw or like you don't have any sort of supplementation aid. You're not taking steroids or hormone supplementation. And then there's categories that are, and it's apples and oranges or, you know, what's been popular here over the last couple of years are these uh, carbon plated running shoes. And uh, yeah. it's not like you can just throw a bench shirt on and all of a sudden no. your bench goes up by 200 no. pounds, Well, you can't throw on a carbon plated running yeah. shoe. And all of a sudden you're this world-class marathon yeah. athlete or 10 K runner either. Yeah. You have to be a pretty damn yeah. good runner for that carbon plated shoe to make very much of a performance benefit to yeah. you. Like it does for some of these elite yeah. people. They're yeah. still elite without yeah. that carbon exactly. shoe. Exactly. They're very different sports. No, but got in that in 2016. Um, so yeah, late, late to the game, but I'm, uh, I've loved it. I always wanted to compete in something. The re- you know, I, uh, had fought MMA as an amateur prior to that, prior to my girl, my first girl being born, got out of that because thought it was probably a good idea to stop getting punched and kicked in the head, uh, with all the CT, yep. uh, kind of conversations that were coming out. And then previous to that, you know, my athletic career was ran track, played football. And so I, I, I'm the type of person who needs to have kind of a purpose of competition and stuff like that. But powerlifting, I've always been, I've always been naturally strong. So it was a, it was a, uh, you still have to work hard, but it was a, it was a, it made sense. It yeah. made powerlifting made, made sense for me. Sure. But I will tell you, uh, you know, it's taught me a lot about, you know, I'm, I'm a big form nut too. It's, yeah. it's taught me a lot about how powerful just having being strong is. Yeah. But I've also learned too is, is the need for, you know, as a power lifter, I, and I made the mistake or have made the mistake where I left out a lot of other qualities too, where I was just probably too much into the, to the strength and you need to come, you know, you need to come back into making sure your conditioning stays at yeah. a, we talk about that counterbalance again, really it's a counterbalance. You, you know, you You're can't really leave, you can't stay too far away from some of the conditioning aspects. Yeah. You can't let mobility suffer at all because yeah. it's not just about how heavy you can lift. You have to have a good, uh, what I call a, you know, a root system. You have yeah. to have a really good with a lot of my lifters. Now we make sure we, we build up their root system. And if you know anything about how plants grow, the roots stay underground for a while, and a lot of my people don't lift the weight that they want at first because I'm not willing for that tree to come up only to topple over because it doesn't have an adequate root system yeah. underneath it. Yeah, when you you just said, like, coming back to that counterbalance, that's exactly what I was thinking of, like, if we take away the idea of, like, looking at everything in your life and we just look at that bucket of fitness, 
it is ch- it is really challenging to be a very well-rounded athlete, yeah. be very strong, very powerful, yeah. or be able to you know move quickly, to be mobile, to be agile, to, to you know it's hard to demonstrate yeah. a high quality in all of yeah. these different facets yeah. of fitness, and that's one thing that I think. Like you said uh, a while back, you said, you know, I've been doing this for a few years. I'm ready for my next challenge type of thing. That's one thing in fitness that like I struggle when I don't have quite a bit of variety involved in my fitness lifestyle, which is why I think part of the reasons, aside from those of you who know, I have this Achilles thing going on that's hindering my running. You've gotten very strong recently. Yeah, but I think, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that has probably held me back from maybe doing a marathon or something like that, because I know it in order to perform in that, at the quality of which I want to, because I don't really care about just like saying I completed a marathon because I, it's something I know I could do if I wanted to. Right. That, like that doesn't excite me. Just getting a participation medal doesn't right. really excite that me. That doesn't stretch you. Completing a marathon doesn't stretch you. No. Cause if you I'm know gonna, you could do it. If I'm going to run a marathon, I want to run it at a particular pace yeah. and do well and, you know, do decently well for my age group. I don't expect to win the thing or anything like that, but you know, I know the time that it takes in just running to perform at that level. And in order to spend the amount of time training for that, I know I'm going to have to give up on other things like cycling or hiking or lifting or playing pickup basketball or rec league softball or whatever. It had like having such a variety of stuff that, um, you know, I try to just be pretty good at a lot of that stuff, but maybe not go down the fully dedicated to one, yeah. one side. Now, with powerlifting, you said you've got your squat, your bench, your deadlift, yes. and then your your scores on each of those yep. get compiled to a total. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be a very uh, person dependent question, or sure, but on an like like on an average, um, for say someone performed like pretty well in powerlifting, yes, what what relative to your body weight are you kind of? Because I know it's body weight dependent or size yep. dependent. Yep. Like kind of what is like a good score? Mm. Like what is someone shooting for? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, you'll have a lot. Are you talking in the world of powerlifting or or compared to if we were to kind of compare it to the average population? Well, maybe let's do both. Maybe let's say in the world of powerlifting, like what is a good score? And then for like yeah. an average population, like if you combine those lifts, what might uh, someone be shooting for? Yeah, so I would say... Uh, let me use pounds here. Like in powerlifting, um, I, I compete in, uh, you know, the, the, well, it used to be the 93 kilo. They've changed it down to 90 kilo now. So, you know, I used to compete at 205 and now it's going to be down to like 197. They recently changed that. But, and then you got the bigger guys and you got guys smaller than yep. me, right? So like my all time best is 1,350 pounds depend between the three. three yeah. 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 Which yeah. is, which compared to mo- what this is what's weird compared to most of the population, it, it puts me in some of the very small percentage of humanity as yeah. far as strength in powerlifting. There's, as you know, with most sports, then there's that extra tip of the spear. Yes. So I'm very, very strong, but I'm not special strong. And I got into the, and I got into the game late too. Now where this gets interesting is I just now entered the master's territory, which is going to bump my placement in the world because you just you don't have you don't have too many people competing at that age you know so that's a test of longevity and it's relative whatever but to put in 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 normal people it sounds weird but the average person 
you're not going to, I think they can, but the average person, let's say male is going to have to work really, really hard to get a thousand pound total. Yeah. And it can be done. It's not beyond someone's genetics or anything like that. But I put, yeah. I put the, and it depends on weight, uh, size too. And obviously if you have a 250 pound man, a thousand pound is going to be much more uh, easy to accomplish. But I'm talking about someone who's more my size, you know, you got, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to work intelligently and be truly training to reach about the thousand pound mark. Right. And then if you, to, to really start winning or getting close to the podium in, in the raw, you're going to need to be approaching, you know, 1300, 1400 pound total plus. And the elite guys in my, in my weight class, um, there are, there are just monsters out there who yeah. are the 16, 17, 1800. One of the best in my weight class is, I think he's, I think someone did get a finally in my weight class, a, thou, a 2000 pound total. Oh, now, 2000 pound total is not as, it's still special, but it's a little bit more prevalent when you start getting into the higher weight classes, the big, the, the big guys, but even a 2000 pound total is very special. But there's some animals out there in, in my weight class. There's a few who who can get in that 16, 17, 800, yeah, 1800. You know, so me being at 1350, I'm trying to press my next goal would be to get into the 1415. That's that's, you know, that's putting me in a in a good place, but not national, still not tip of the spear yeah. level. Yeah, I think that that's one that's super impressive to lift that amount of weight. But yeah, I totally get what you mean. Like. You might be considered, you know, in, you know, in your category really good, but mm-hmm. those like peak of the peak type mm-hmm. people are just, you know, yeah. in any sport or activity, they're on a different level. And you got to right? think in powerlifting too, that's not, that's not adding together what you've done at different days and right. what your all time best is, is that you have, you have to one do day. that. You have to do that in one day yep. and have the energy to perform those max lifts yeah. under judging. On the one day, like the bench press, for instance, there's that there's a pause. Yeah, you have to wait for the. You know, it's not a balance. It's, there's so there's there's rules to the game too that make it a con- more they're more controlled lifts. Yeah, squat, you're judged by depth and stuff like that, which is one of the reasons it hasn't made it to the Olympics because it's too subjective. Mm. Um, so they've been fighting to get it into the Olympics, but it is in the World Games. Yeah, um, which if you've ever done, and someone listening to this, if you ever actually done a maximum effort lift and truly push yourself to try to see on whatever lift where we're talking bench. typically it's bench squat and deadlift right. you may max out on other things too but those are the the large three it takes a lot out of you yeah. it is extremely taxing yeah. even though we're talking about you know you've got to build up and then we're talking about one repetition right. of something it's not like you're doing tons of reps yeah. it is extremely taxing and you often are quite exhausted yeah. for a long time. Well, in the, in the meet, there's tons of poundage that we're lifting prior to ever getting out on the platform because right. you're in the back room prepping, yeah. doing all your, your, your warmups. And, you know, you're typically, everyone's a little different than that, but I, I'm typically opening up at 89 or 90% of what I'm intending on, on doing as my opener. And then I'll jump up to about 95%. And I use a little auto regulation based on how many, how hard I perceived that lift was on how much I, I go up after that. But yeah, but, but prior to ever doing your first attempt, you're, you're, you're still back there, you know, on all three lifts, lifting a a lot of weight. 
Yeah. So I, I enjoy it. Powerlifting to watch is incredibly boring. <laughs> I'm just going to say like, it's not like strongman events and stuff like that because of their variety and stuff. Like I, I personally enjoy it. Powerlifting. I think this is changing a little bit. It's becoming bigger, but it's still very much a niche yeah. sport. You know, unless you're, unless you know someone there, it's, it's not, no one, I'm under no delusion that people are clamoring to be like, yeah, let's really sit down for these next couple hours and watch this, watch this person do a max attempt. Um, however, you know, it's very, you know, it's a sport I love. It's, it's uh, very rewarding for me, but I'm under no delusion that it's, it's, it's football or anything like that. (laughs) No, now, like you said, it takes a lot of work and effort to get to for the average male to yeah. get into that 1000 pound club and yeah. you know i've told this story a few times we, for whatever reason and i i think i understand why now when i think about sports specificity we didn't deadlift a lot in football yeah we did a lot more squats a lot more cleans yeah. complexes like quicker movements and stuff but of course in order to do some of those you have to pick the weight up off the floor yeah. so it would probably be good to learn how to really properly deadlift my squat max in football in college was heavier than it is now, although I'm probably getting pretty close back to what I was. My bench press probably is about the same, and I never deadlift max until recently, probably like a year ago. And with those lifts um, that I did a year ago, my max in those, I just cracked into that 1,000 yeah. pound club. But you work, but but I it know, but I know, but I know yeah. you're constantly working. And that was my point. Yes, totally. Is that someone? Most males are not going to accidentally. Yeah, no. most most males, unless I mean, there are some genetic freaks out there, but most males are not just going to accidentally fall into a thousand pound total. Was uh, my was my agree. was my point? Yeah, I would agree totally. Right, unless you know you're just a big human and yep. you're strong, yep. then yeah, that's yep. that's maybe different. Yeah, that's all I meant. Like yeah. if you work hard, I mean, you, yeah, you're. I mean, and you're a very strong guy. Like, and you're you're lighter than I am, so you're sure. you yeah, so you're 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 doing very well, and obviously you work very hard. But that was my point: is you those numbers you're you're typically not going to find someone just yeah. falling into like oh my god I can, ah. I can i can do this now i know there is no perfect answer to what i'm about to say so we don't have to go like too far down some explanation this is a very gray area question i'm going to ask you but for the average person um you know i've seen people out there saying saying things now these are people that are training but they're like hey i'm trying to work towards being able to squat two and a half times my body weight, yep. or I'm trying to deadlift three times my body yep. weight. I'm trying to bench press. Three times is a hell of a deadlift. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to bench press one and a half times my body weight yep. or, or whatever. On some of those lifts, bench, deadlift, squat, mm-hmm. what is like a, a good number that someone who, you know, is just training, but they're not yeah. necessarily trying to compete in powerlifting, yeah. but they're wanting to just be a really fit individual and sustain themselves from like yeah. a longevity standpoint. What is maybe a percentage sure. that they might shoot for yeah, or a body weight relative? Sure. That they yeah. And then this is obviously don't take this with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Uh, this, this is completely arbitrary, but I, I think if you're talking about just, it sounds like, like to, to have a good base level of strength and to function in life. Like if you can do this pain free and it doesn't jack you up, I think, I think like a two, two time, two body weight deadlift is a, is a really, and I don't think, and if you don't hit exactly that, that's fine. But I'm two t- two times two times your body weight is not this insurmountable thing that you need some special genetics to to hit. But I would even say fine. I'll, I'll even give a little spectrum. If you're if you're a time and a like, let's say even one point seven five to two times yeah. your your body weight, you're able to pick up off the ground at some point in your life. It mean, that means you put a little 
but work, it's you put yeah. some some work in and that you're going to probably be you're probably not going to super provide your forms good. You're, you're probably not going to come across a situation in life to where you're going to jack yourself up, put it, picking something up. Yeah. Right. The, the, the squat. Yeah. I'd squat. I'd put that again, maybe a, a, a time and a half body weight. Right. So uh, a 200 pound male, I don't see any reason why at some point in their life with a little work can, can squat 300 yeah. plus. Right. And again, these are completely, my opinion, it's not some magical thing. You yeah. might be a little bit above or below. Yeah, this isn't and like then, written and in then, a book. And, and then the bench press, you know, the bench press is the one that's most, uh, a lot of people who don't compete don't understand this, but bench press is highly, highly affected by your body weight. Yeah. So if you, for instance, are going through a phase where you're cutting, right, you're of all of the big three, the one that will be most heavily affected by body, any body weight changes is the bench press. Yep. Um, and it's a weird phenomenon, even, even gaining weight. So like uh, guys who, and I'm, uh, I'm not saying go for this cause it's not the way to go, but even a, a guy who gets fatter all of a sudden, it's a weird thing. Their bench press can go, can go up a bit. And, and conversely, if they lose some weight, but for the, for the bench press, you know, at least body weight, maybe 1.25 body weight is something that I think is manageable for, for, you know, for most people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, just like I, and you could be time and a half, like, but, but I would say those would be, I, I think what Andrew asked is for a, a pretty, at least decently fit life. Yeah. Now, those numbers are not going to win you any powerlifting competitions or anything like that. Uh, but, but yeah. I think, I think I, think I agree with those because, and like Sean said, they're not, it's not like that is like written down in stone. That's the Bible of what you should be able to lift relative to your size. Yeah. Everybody has their own situation yep. everybody's goals training uh goals training history is different and you know depending what you've been doing with your body you may or may not even be close to those things yep. right if you've been training for marathons not spending much time in the weight room hopefully you are lifting weights if not let's talk about that but you know maybe you're not close to those things but you might be a damn good runner yeah now Conversely, it'd be the exact opposite. Most power lifters are probably not going to place very well in their category for running a race, probably right? Not. That's not what they're training for. They might do really well in a short sprint race, right. but probably not in a local neighborhood 10K. But no, I think that's great. I think that just gives people some some context yeah. because I don't know if anybody listening to the show is uh, training in powerlifting or considering even doing a powerlifting competition, but they might want some uh some numbers relative to their situation right. like hey what you know what's kind of just like a good level of strength for someone who is training uh, but i agree with you it'd be really hard to hit some of those numbers if you weren't putting some time right. and some effort right. in it's probably unlikely that someone who is unless they're one of those genetic freaks someone who's not lifting weights and those people exist there's going to be people yeah. who have never worked yeah most people just aren't going to walk in the rate room and yeah. be able to squat two times their body weight yeah. if they haven't been doing squats yeah. right? it's like they those have. it's like those bastards with giant calves who've never <laughs> who've never trained calves before in their yeah. life it's uh and i know some people that train their calves <laughs> all the time and they just can't seem to yeah, grow man. much of a depth fine calf yeah. muscle but uh no this sean this was awesome and oh, i think i think you. you have you know like i said you have uh, a lot of thought behind why you have people do what you ask them to do from a training standpoint, but you obviously have a lot of thought behind some of your answers to some of these questions. It's not like you're just like, you know, spitting words out of your mouth with, uh, without thinking about them. So I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Coming in awesome. here to, to do this podcast. 
I like to ask this question. My intention on this show was to ask this to everybody, but I have gotten away from that because I've gotten distracted by some of the conversations yeah. we've had. But um, since I remembered here, of course, this show is called The Code, A Guide to Health and Human Performance. So what we're talking about is health, performance, wellness, you right. know, things that impact our, our lives. You know, if you if someone asked you, like, what is your code or what is your guide to giving people tips on how to how to take care of themselves in a, you know, obviously the answer could be really long. But like, what's your what are some of the keys that you would suggest to people or keys that you try to live by to um, your code to take to, care of yourself to health and human performance? Yeah. Oh, man, such a loaded question. Very it? big question. I like distilling thing. You know, what's that saying? Like genius is taking the complex and making it simple. So like I have to go back and think, what is the one, you know, what's that one thing? What's weird? And this is going to sound so, so uh, maybe too simple, but I would say, you know, I could give you the special like workout, right? I could give you the special nutrient, like we could talk those specific things, but I think kind of what we were, in, you know, implying today is that I think us human beings, in order to have a better life from a fitness standpoint, is I think what a lot of people are lacking is intentionality. And intentionality comes from having a purpose. And I know this has been written in every, you know, all these books and stuff like that. I think it's so, it's so prevalent. There's different ways of putting it. It's like, what, what's your, you know, Simon Sinek talks about your why. And, and there's different, different, like of these gurus have, you know, talked about it in different ways but they're basically saying the same thing but i guess the reason i'm saying is because just because it's a boring answer doesn't make it any less true Mm -hmm. so i i'd say that i think for most people their success or failure and whether they they stay fit has everything to do with the purpose of the why how they're going to intentionally use their time Uh, because when you have purpose then you can dial down what your priority is so I think what keeps so many people kind of not getting what they want out of life is because they're just so easily, they're so easily distracted. Yeah. Uh, they don't know what to say yes to, mm-hmm. or they say yes to everything, everything yeah. and not, and not the right thing. Right. So I think the answer to the, or to the code, so to speak of that is the, the answer to that code or the, the, or sorry, the code itself rather to, to unlock, that box, if you will, is that you have to sit. I, it's something so simple, but I don't think too many people actually do. So you have to spend some time and space alone and really hash that out. And I think people hear that and they, they'll, they'll stop in their mind for a little bit and they'll think about, okay, this is what my purpose is. But what I'm saying is like, it actually takes a block of time. I think you have to yeah. sit down and block out time like you would a meeting. Yeah a meeting with yourself to where you're, you're getting down and dirty with like, what am I, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think until you do that, I think a lot of people who struggle with fitness is they're, they're doing something they think they're supposed to do. Yeah. And they haven't really soul searched and saw and see if that's, if that's where they're at right now, do they want, is that where they want their direction to go? Is that how they want to spend their time? Yeah. I, I think they lack purpose and intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you know what it made me think of while you were talking about that, like with the purpose and the intentionality is if we're talking about exercise, are you exercising or are you working out or are you training? 
because there's a big difference when like I hear people who are who are more intentional about what they're doing refer to their their workouts or their sessions as training, training. sessions like I'm do you want to come with me tomorrow afternoon to train right not to to work out right. or go to the gym like or to exercise yeah to exercise. it's like they're talking about doing something that's planned and structured and there's a you know a purpose behind it so or a method behind it and that's training that's kind of what you're talking about yeah. and i think i think anyone who has reached any level of like uh, there again we use the term success any level of success in something there probably is a lot of purpose and planning yeah. and training behind it they're not just going through the motions and showing up at the gym and just yeah. doing stuff yeah they're probably not going to reach that well, it's easier to get up when there is that yeah uh it's and it's much easier to not get up and get distracted when you're when it's when it's a, a you know and and i sorry but you know okay. I, I don't want to take up too much time on this but when it's an ex uh and again and by the way like for the listeners if you watch it like a lot of this stuff I'm saying again, I'm feel very much in the middle of the woods with some, mm-hmm. even though I've learned, like, I think as human beings, we should, should be, I, this isn't, this isn't coming out of me as someone who's affected out, any yeah. of this is I'm, I'm literally walking this right now. Yeah. But, um, it's like, I think the difference is too, is that like a lot of people hope and there's a very, like, if you were to sit right now and hope something happens, and if, if our listeners, you know, did, if the listeners right now did that and think of something that you hope for and really feel it and hope it, that's a very different feeling than expecting something. If, if you were to sit down and expect that same thing and then like play it out in your head and you expect it to happen, one feels passive. Yeah. Like hoping is very passive because hoping, hoping keeps the door open for it may not happen. Yeah expecting something to happen is is purpose driven expecting something to happen is it's because it's who you are this is how it is uh things may not always work out well it may be a bumpy road but i i know at the end i'm getting there versus i kind of doing this but you know what i if something comes along that looks pretty i might go this way yeah right i think you have to be very expectant i think you can only be expectant when you have a very clear like purpose and direction of, of where you're going. Yeah. And I, I see that with a lot of my clients. I think, I, honestly, I mean, we'll, we'll talk behind the scenes, but if, I, I always love suggestions on, you know, with behavioral psychology is that's, that's the big thing is getting clients to, um, to have that same belief system yeah. with like, they're expecting this to be a good thing. They're expecting to celebrate their body and it's, yep. this doesn't have to be, this isn't punishment. Yeah. Right? Oh man. Yeah. That's for sure. That's a whole nother right? conversation we could have, but yeah. And I think, you know, there's, I think there's a huge difference between hoping and expecting. And if you expect something to take place or come true or whatever, you expect something to happen, you're going to do more of the groundwork that makes it more likely that that outcome is going to be what it is. Right. Whereas if you hope you're, you're just like leaving it up to fate at that point, like, yeah. and it, you know, it might happen. It might not, but if you expect it, you're going to do things that make it more yeah. likely that that's going to happen. No one's ever so, gotten on a plane, hoping to get on a plane. Everyone expects to get on that plane. It's weird. Like all of our other appointments that we make with ourselves, sometimes working out and stuff. And I'm guilty of it too. Like some of these things that we make appointments with ourselves that we say are important we kind of, we don't approach it like we would getting on a flight. Like it's weird with flights. They're so, they're so like 
permanent and we need it you need to be on that plane to get somewhere or else yeah. it's a so there's a lot of pain in the ass if you if you yeah. don't yeah. like most people like won't use the same excuses like if they have a flight to catch it's funny you won't hear a lot of the same excuses that come up if someone needs to to train or they need to work out or they need yeah. to eat well is because you expect you made that appointment and you expect to be on that plane. You, you, you don't go hoping I might catch it. Yeah. I might catch it. Maybe I'll make it. Yeah. It's how we live life though. We yeah. live life hoping that we might catch the, the plane. That's not ever how we fly. Yeah. We, yeah. we expect it and we get pissed. If something <laughs> else gets in the, in the way, we expect to be on that plane. I mean, I like to be on time for things, but there's not much that I am more on time for than <laughs> yeah. making a flight. Sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I'm, I'm there way too early and then I walk laps around yeah. the airport because yeah. I'm not going to sit still. That's because we know where we're going. We, yeah. know, we know there's a flight destination. We know where it's going. It's mm-hmm. funny. Purpose does that to us. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Sean, if somebody was listening to this episode and anything that we said kind of resonated with them or if they have more questions about powerlifting or training or anything like that, what's the best way for someone to get in contact with you or where can people find you? Oh, yeah. What's yeah, the best yeah. idea? You know, you, you can hit me. So I, I like, you know, I'm admittedly, I'm trying to get better at this on the, on the social media game too. So, so I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, crucible underscore strength, Facebook, um, uh, at crucible strength. And then, uh, you can also hit me and email me at Sean at crucible com. Awesome. Thank you, sir. We'll put those things in the show notes, social media handles, and email. And, um, if you guys are looking for, a coach here, you know, virtually Denver area, whatever that might be. I can't recommend Sean enough for any of your training needs, even if that's not powerlifting. Not all of Sean's clients are competing in powerlifting. Yeah, actually, not. It's a very you small. Know, yeah, that's, but, uh, that's actually not the main thing. I see every day or most days of the week a lot of the folks that Sean is working with. And one thing that I will tell you is even though a lot of the coaches here inside of Lions Den have very uh, dedicated, consistent clients. Mm-hmm. I have seen the same people walk through that door week after week after week for more than two years now mm-hmm. to work with Sean. And I have been able to see firsthand some of the progressions that they have made. Yeah. And like Sean said, there's always that heavy foundation root system before really reaping the rewards of a lot of that training. Yeah. And it is paying off with a lot of the people here in the gym. So I can't mm-hmm. recommend Sean enough. So please reach out to him if you have any questions. And I hope as you guys had as much fun listening to this episode as we had recording it. Sean, thank you. Andrew, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of The Code, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.